Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. You're listening to the Bellman Forum Podcast. I am your show host, John B. Manos. Today, we've got something entirely different for you. You didn't know. You didn't know. But today's program will help you understand that we've just been totally wrong about what ails the church. Enjoy. Listener discretion is advised. This program presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to suggest some possible explanation, but not necessarily the only ones to the mysteries we will examine. The following dramatizations contain names and places that are entirely fictional, and any similarity to real persons is entirely coincidental or pure parody. Today's program is underwritten in part by the law firm of Smith, Nebley, and Gaines. Smith, Nebley, and Gaines. If you need me, call me. For Bella Man Forum News, I am Rolleram Harsh Fajer. Stunning news yesterday from Rome Pope Francis acted swiftly to squash the enemies of the church. Immediately upon exiting his hospital stay where he was recovering from complex surgery, he asked for a pen. Sources close to the event say Pope Francis' first words were, I need a pen so I can sign this document. Experts say he intends to squash the greatest threat the church has seen in over 500 years. Over to you, Sridhar. Thank you. We have obtained both documents signed by Pope Francis. The first document is a letter wherein Pope Francis expresses sadness caused by abuses in the liturgy on all sides. We thought this might pertain to an action against the modernists, or ending the abuse of lay ministers during Mass, or voiding the fraudulently obtained indult for communion in the hand. No, the greatest threat is Latin Mass. Pope Francis lashed out at Pope Benedict and shackled the Latin Mass back to his tight control by Vatican apparatchiks. This is Sridhaka Krishmanaranan, reporting for the Bellamen Forum News. Wow, thanks, Sridhaka. Well, sitting there with this puzzle now of this great threat, I would never guess that the extraordinary action and force of a motu proprio would be merited to stifle the Latin Mass. This left me with many questions, though. And I set out to, to learn what this document Pope Francis issued was. I began to ask around, and my questions quickly led me to Professor Zbigniew Ozienski, chair of the Theological Marian Akita Chair at Trent University. Professor Ozienski, can you explain to me what uh, motu proprio is? Out of all the documents that the Pope can put out there, what is this thing and what is it supposed to do? Yes, thank you for calling. I am glad you asked this question. It is a pleasure to speak with the Bellamine Forum. I have looked in my modern Catholic dictionary and it has two definitions. A motu proprio refers to words used in rescripts drawn up and issued by Pope on his own initiative, and not conditioned by any petitionary requests. The documents are always signed personally by a Pope. The dictionary then tells me to see proprio motu. So, I turn the pages and find this second definition, proprio motu, more commonly referred to as motu proprio. It means something done on one's own initiative or by one's own will said especially of certain papal documents written on the Pope's own authority, often to meet a special and urgent need in the Church. So, from what the professor told us, these documents, that, that left me scratching my head. It's 
not that there was a great need in the church or people ask, but that the Pope moves on his own initiative. That was the first part I got out of that. And it's always signed by the Pope. And we know that from the report on the pen and wanting to sign those documents. But the last part got me. It's often to meet a special and urgent need in the church. Something extraordinary, something like terrible that really requires attention. I'm just surprised it became the Latin Mass. We've learned from the news reports and others that Pope Francis surveyed bishops around the world and asked them about the threat of Sumorum Pontificorum, the uh, issued by Pope Benedict. This was what made it clear that any priest at any time could offer that Mass and relaxed a lot of the regulations that made the Latin Mass seem difficult prior. Uh, the first document, and it was back in the 80s, was Ecclesia Day. Ecclesia Day basically told the local bishops that uh, if, where people ask for it, you have to provide it for them. It's a pastoral concern, and it's valid. But what we see today is that uh, this survey sent around wanted to find out if the Latin Mass was harming and it was divisive. So after talking with Professor, I started calling around to different parishes because I wanted to find people that might have participated in that survey. Usually a motu proprio is on the Pope's own initiative. Maybe the survey was on his own initiative, but I thought, you know, maybe we have dangers lurking around in the church that are terrible that we didn't know about. Uh, you know, and the Pope said in his own words, that having these two liturgies available to the faithful, uh, uh, this is Pope Benedict in Sumorum Pontificorum. He said that those two liturgies in no way lead to a division in the church's lex credende. In other words, we all believe the same thing. And we can have more than one right at once, just like the Byzantines, the Ruthenians, and so many others, the Ukrainian Greek Catholics, the Greek Catholics, the Melkites. We've done this throughout the history of the church, and there hasn't been a problem. And Pope Benedict said it would it is not a division, but stunningly, when I started calling around, I found several persons who had opinions on the Latin Mass and whether it was divisive. My search led me first to a church in Megalopolis, the first suburban Am church in Megalopolis, and I, I, I the pastor there recommended that I speak with. Brooks Hurst Smith, the RCIA director. She describes herself as actively engaged in the ministry of her parish and made clear that her pronouns are she, her. Let's listen to Brooks Hurst Smith from her own words. At 16, I joined a sing a new church workshop like it was really neat. I was so impressed that women like me could, like, preach to the community and I still, I'll remember the reverent way like the lectors raise their hand to make the community respond. Someday, I hope to be like a lector. I am practicing raising my hand and speaking like they do. Like, today, like, I teach RCIA like, I also work on my ministry like as a Eucharistic minister. I hope to keep it going when I enter college next year. I asked her if she felt threatened by the Latin Mass being available. I've never been to the Latin Mass, but I've heard it mentioned by some faithful in our faith community. Brooke explains that she approaches catechism 
as a way to welcome newcomers and accompany them on their journey to discover what God means to them. I believe it's not about rules in the past, but a self-directed journey of discovery of meaning in the community of service to the poor and needy. Faith is knowing that you can help. I do remember being threatened by a person who insisted that we used a Baltim or catechism and memorize rigid rules. He really harmed the others in the RCIA class and made them feel marginalized. He would not join us in spirituality and encounter workshops and told us he felt these were demonic. Just using that harsh language made me feel uncomfortable and worry for the safety of the others. If he was Latin mass, then I do think it's dangerous and divisive and harms the progress we make with the persons we accompany here. Pope Francis needs to stop them. Sister Barbara is parish administrator of the St. Anthony Bridget Gertrude Consolidated Pastoral Zone in the north part of the Triple Cities. She's very active in the parish. Don't call me parish administrator on the news show. I have to call myself a ministry coordinator in any references that get published because it makes certain people upset and they get all rigid with rules and laws and wind a bishop up. But between us, I run this place. I'm so sorry, sister. Uh, look, as ministry coordinators at right, can you explain how Latin Mass harms you? They're unbearably disruptive with their posture at our spiritual celebrations of community. They come in and demand to see a tabernacle. We don't have one in the worship space. It's in the back. They still s insist on acting different than our local faith tradition. We don't genuflect or kneel. They insist on it as if they know better. And if I try to correct them, they get all talking about God as if I don't celebrate the great spirit myself. I see. I see. Do you think, but to you, do you think they are harm? Without a doubt, they are the most divisive force we face today. Okay, thank you, sister. Well, there you heard it. After I left, I received a call from Lance Fabulous, music director. Hello, thanks for calling me back. She said I could talk to you, so here I am. Uh, what do you do for the parish there? I am the music director of two years now. I came from another faith community that was just more, um, how do you say, American. We had many of the standards like Haas, Haugen, and the others. Beautiful stuff, you know. If you read the newsletters coming from the downtown office of Human Dignity, then you know it's all covert white supremacist music, and we need to move on to our own local traditions. Sing a new church, they say. Sister Barbara has been asking me to add folk music and indigenous people's works to the spirituality, and it's been great. Uh... Thanks, but tell me how the Latin Mass harms you. Oh, it's terrible. These people only want the same chants over and over and over, and they never want any musical instruments but the pipe organ. Oh, it's dreadfully the same over and over. There's no work, no creativity, nothing for me to express myself, to bring my talents to the faith community. And they drone on and on and on about the meaning of the words. I can't do my job keeping it fresh and relevant with them always complaining. They just want to participate. They won't do it. You were supposed to be actively participating and they just stand there scowling. Oh, it's terrible. It hurts me. It hurts my, my expression in the faith community. Okay, uh, thank you. Well, there you have it. Lance and Sister Barbara do make it clear that people who prefer the Latin Mass also tend to forego, uh, air quote, active participation. Why that's divisive seems to be a matter of preference. 
I could find no evidence where the Latin mass itself injured anyone. Then I was shocked when I received a call from a prelate who spoke to me on terms of anonymity. Comillas, I want to tell you what I have seen of these people. They command I see them with their whole family and they hold weapons in their hand. They host standards in repetitious things. Even the children join in and hold these small chains in their hands and finger the prints on the chains menacingly. The women cover their beads in an attempt to hide their identities. It is very stark and dreadful. Recently, I was at an ecumenical service in the Vatican Garden where there were many dignitaries, including Buddhists. They came, they did not join us around the Pachamama, instead, they host held those chains and mumbled. I wanted to accompany them so I approached them and asked them to join us in our ecumenical spiritual exercise. They refused. It is very divisive and harmful. I spoke with this unnamed prelate for quite some time, and he explained that he had seen these people show up like when Martin Luther was in the Vatican, and it was a great, great, grand ecumenical affair. And he, he, he said he had seen them come so many times, even the first time that Pachamama was there, that this last ecumenical service, he thought he would reach out to them in charity and the spirit of unity to bring them together. And he was shocked. He thought it was divisive and harmful when they refused to join him with the with the Buddhists there. Uh, I, I don't know if that's harmful or if that's more like just, uh, you know, it didn't make sense. But uh, he, he was thought that the uh, small chains, the rosary, I guess those are rosaries. Uh, why else would that be? Uh, was was were menacing. Uh, it almost sounds like uh, like they're terrorists. When we look at all these things and we look at the cause, the professor told us about a motu proprio, a special and urgent need in the church. I I just didn't hear it through all this. There's a lot of perceptions that uh, the way different people want to go, the Latin mass people don't want to go that way. It seems like there should be uh, enough preference in the church for that. Meanwhile, we've seen where most U.S. prelates have have allowed things to continue as they are. And just today, the primate cardinal of Hungary, uh, who has a special delegate from the Apostolic See going back to the 14th century, the primate of Hungary determines matters liturgical in Hungary. And he said, they're not changing a thing. But that didn't stop uh, the National Catholic Reporter's Michael Sean Winters from saying that uh, it is to pr- that the motu proprio is there to promote unity and to put an end to, quote, private masses. Yes, he actually said that. I don't know which, what extent of private mass he means. The low mass used to be called a private mass, but today private mass tends to refer to mass without a congregation. I, I'm not aware in the sense that he's using that word. But I think that what he's trying to do is make it sound like, since everything else he talks about is unity, that the, the Latin mass is exclusive or that it would uh, it's private only to those people that want to be there. I also found it interesting that uh, 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 comments from uh, Father James Martin, uh, he, how happy he is to say the mass in tons of different vernacular languages including he likes to go to Mass said in Swahili. 
I don't know if he speaks Swahili, but it seems to me that if we're going to be unified, there's something about having a liturgy that's always the same between all peoples, i.e. in Latin, promotes unity better than all these millions of vernaculars. It seems that having that available for everybody would give everybody a chance to go to Mass together and be unified because the language is the same. It doesn't mean we can't have Mass in a vernacular. You get what I'm saying. It seems weird to praise the motu proprio because you like Mass in the vernacular and you want unity. But here's this... Uh, uh, I, I just can't get over it. You know, he's happy that Michael Sean Winters, that is, that the Pope's getting rid of private masses. And uh, for all the reasons I said, it's uh, his whole point, he wrote in the reporter, listen to this. This is, quote, Michael Sean Winters writing in the National Catholic Reporter. These words, it seems to me, put the Pope's theological finger on the problem exactly. So we're going to get what the National Catholic Reporter and Michael Sean Winner's feeling. We heard all this other testimony. What does he think the problem is? Quote, aficionados of the old right like to talk about how that right uniquely conveys the sense that each mass is a part of the one eternal sacrifice of Christ and the thanksgiving to which the Eucharist is our response. Now, I realize he's trying to summarize things and uh it can be awkward when people don't talk about sacraments to try to use technical terms but he did his best there now he puts a big butt here now this is he says on one hand you know that we like this part of the eternal sacrifice but quote but then they insist on their right to have a private mass um I think the Latin mass was the first one to say all are welcome. So Michael Sean Winters, I think that you got that part wrong. Uh, at least I've never been to a Latin mass that excluded people. They've always said all are welcome. Come pray with us. And then they'll help you give you a missile, try to help you understand what's going on and encourage you to keep coming so that it becomes familiar. So I, I, uh, not quite sure. He does mean private mass in the sense that he thinks the Latin mass excludes people. Now, continuing, quote Michael Sean Winters, if the Eucharist is, as Vatican II taught, the source and summit of the Catholic faith, then we know that when the celebration of the Eucharist fails to serve the unity of the church, something is wrong. That's a heavy allegation. He says that the holy sacrifice of the Mass, he calls it the Eucharist, he's implying that at the Latin Mass, it fails to serve the unity of the Church. And isn't ever the fault of him whose sacrifice we commemorate? I don't know why he couldn't say that it's Jesus. That's Jesus that we're talking about. But I guess that would mean that the real presence is there and that the Mass is something he told us to do. Continuing the quote, the gifts of the Spirit too never fail. The failing is in us, in our lack of charity, or in our inability to perceive the moral and religious obligation to promote unity. So 
that is the characterization of the Latin mass made by Michael Sean winners. I, I really obvious to me that the guy has no concept of which he speaks, but he's painting with this brush on the wall using words that are awkward to him. And the aspersion that it's a private mass is just frankly hilarious. I mean, has he ever tried to go? I mean, I'm sure if he even showed interest, people would invite him and bring him. Nonetheless, liturgical abuses fail to serve unity at church, right? You heard from the examples above how local tradition or you know, expressing ourselves or all the things, the excesses of the spirit of Vatican II, not Vatican II. Most of the funny examples you heard have nothing to do with Vatican II. They have to do with a runaway, modernist-inspired, I don't know, church of man that has supplanted the church in so many places. Literally, there's no better way to put it. They've supplanted the church. But Pope Francis seems to think so because in that letter he wrote, you heard in the opening uh, news report, he said that he was saddened by abuses in the celebration of the liturgy on all sides. And in many places, the prescriptions of the new mass are not observed in celebration, but indeed come to be interpreted as an authorization for an, even a requirement of creativity which leads to almost unbearable distortions. No, not almost unbearable. They are unbearable. Come on over here. See some of the stuff that's happening around the U.S. But the motu proprio, the rush, the hurry up and get it done. Notice that there was no time. There was no, usually when they make a change, there's a time for people to adjust. This was immediate. Thank God the bishops recognized that and said, we're going to keep things the same now while we look at this. I think they were equally shocked, and I think they're definitely shocked that the, uh, at the, at this, this would be the most important thing requiring that sort of action, that sort of extraordinary act of a motu proprio. So it got people like Michael Sean Winters, Father Martin, and others extremely excited. But when you kind of scratch the surface a little bit, it doesn't make sense, does it? I, I think even, thank God, a lot of the bishops recognize it. This doesn't quite make sense. Now, on good authority, uh, I should probably have gotten an interview or called or something. But uh, I do know that the when it comes to these pastoral considerations or even prescriptions like this, the ordinary can look at the needs of his sheep I don't know if you knew, but today the uh, first reading in uh, Novus Ordo uh, readings was the reading from Jeremiah. Woe to you shepherds that have scattered the flock. And it's kind of heartening to see bishops. I just don't think of all the things that are bothering bishops these days that the Latin mass people show up on the radar, do they? Maybe in some diocese, because they won't give them a place to be or they mess with the, uh, you know, and the people are like, hey, we need this. But in the ordinary course of places, there, there's no, no complaints, no anything. They're happy parishes. They pay the bills. They feed the basket. They keep going and they keep growing. 
So for most bishops, they're like, what's the problem here? And thank God they use their roles as ordinaries so far. Now, where do we go? I mean, liturgical, have you been to a place with liturgical dancers? You've seen pictures or jokes about it, but they really exist. Have you been somewhere where there's a music director like Lance? Have you been aware of uh, these strange, I know in the north side of Cincinnati, there was this pastoral zone type situation, and there really was. There really was uh, a nun there that uh, was the parish administrator, but would not go by that title because that's actually forbidden. But when you're there, made it clear that they ran the place. I know you've run across that. We've seen these things. They're not almost unbearable. They are unbearable because they're no longer Catholic. They're outside the scope of Catholic practice. <laughs> but the important thing to take care of what was more important of any of that than dealing with any of that was to abrogate permission for the Latin Mass. You know, and what's funny about it, communion in the hand, the fraudulently obtained indult, altar girls, liturgical dancers, folk music done with strange instrumentation and uh, uh, music that makes you think it came from hell. You don't get that at Latin Mass, do you? Those things happen in other places. They just don't happen at Latin Mass. So let's look at what the Pope's done here. Of all this saddening he has, the only thing he acted on was to limit the Latin Mass. Just didn't see any of the other stuff. I wonder who's whispering in his ear, but I, at the same time, I think the reading today gave us a good hint. We need to pray. Like Our Lady of Akita said, we need to pray for him because that just doesn't make any sense. And like the reading today, woe to you shepherds who scatter the flock. What would that do? If this thing were carried out the way Michael Sean Winters wants it to be, it would be scattering the flock. Let's go out with a prayer. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. Well, you've done it. You've listened to another episode of the Bellarmine Forum. And today's episode had to do with the motu proprio regarding the Latin Mass, and it was basically everybody can breathe easier now because Pope Francis has taken care of the enemies of the church. I'm your show host, John B. Manos. Production of this episode was underwritten by an anonymous donor that asks you to say your rosary daily. If you would like to underwrite production of the podcast, contact the forum using the contact form on the website, bellamentforum.org, or call us. We also had a special underwriter for this episode, and their message appears here. Have you or a loved one been injured by the Latin Mass? Call me. Experienced attorneys ready to fight for your rights are standing by ready to talk to you and discuss the injuries, pain, and damages caused to you by the great enemy of the church, the Latin Mass. Call us today. Proudly here to underwrite the Bellarmine Forum podcast. Smith, Nibley, and Gaines. If you need me, call me.
This podcast is a production of the Bellarmine Forum, formerly known as the Wanderer Forum Foundation, founded in 1965 on the heels of Vatican II as a faithful enclave of the, of the Catholic faith without all the progressive modernist confusion, without all the liturgical abuse, without all of the excesses introduced by people who claim they were following Vatican II but really weren't. And to preserve the Latin Mass as Vatican II would wish as well. Our producer sits at the right hand of his father and will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. Our executive director made all things visible and invisible. Our technical director is an unnamed angel assigned to us by the producer per show. The Bellarmine Forum is a public charity and all donations are tax deductible to the maximum extent permitted by law. This show is copyrighted by the Bellarmine Forum 2021 to the greater glory of God and the honor of his blessed mother, Oh, Ivan. Hey, Ivan's reminding me. The lawyers, the lawyers, you know, the legal advice, I, I have to add this once again, that the previous program presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The, per, the producer's purpose was to suggest some possible explanation, but not necessarily the only explanations to the mysteries that were examined. The dramatizations contain names and places that are entirely fictional, and any similarity to real persons is entirely coincidental or pure parody. God bless you. I hope you enjoyed it.